She's a part of our family. We are a part of hers. And uh, so she's got some things that she wants to share before we introduce. Um, we, we call her Mom Jane. She's Pastor Jane to me, but Mom Jane is a good fitting title because she is a mother to so many children in the orphanage, and it's so fitting to refer to her as Mom Jane, but um, I want to give her the respect that she is due as a pastor as well, because she pastors a church in addition to overseeing an orphanage. Talk about a woman who is busy and has a lot of responsibilities. She does, but she has blessed us to come and be a part of um, our service today and has been ministering in the U.S. here for about the last week and a half. Is that right? And then she's got another, what, how long before she? Four days. Four days. Oh, she doesn't have long. She's going to be heading back home this week. So, Pastor Sandra, go ahead and share, if you will. Amen. Before I share anything about Patty's heart, let me just say, Abadiza Ashabui, which means good morning in Swahili. It is good to be here. And uh, as, as always, bless you. Thank you so much for opening your hearts and uh, your arms arms to mom, to Pastor Jane, and to Patty's Heart Children's Home. And I will explain those pictures, but I wanted to give you greetings from Bishop Rubin. I know that he is one of the missionaries uh, that you support. He is my bishop. I am ordained under his ministry. And um, he said to, the other day, he, he flew in Wednesday the 15th, the same day that mom flew in, and he actually left to go back to Kenya this past Wednesday. He was home just to help Open Word Ministries with a few things. Uh, they met with the board last Friday night. We ordained a new pastor down in Lancaster County. Uh, mom and Bishop ministered in Lancaster County uh, on Sunday morning. They ministered at a home group uh, at my place, and then Monday night was banquet, and uh, Bishop was our keynote speaker. So he had a really whirlwind time here in the States. Uh, but one of the reasons why he had to go back home so quickly is his church has been located in an increasingly Muslim area in Nairobi. And he has rented the building where they've been for I don't know how many years. And he was told several months ago that the owner was going to sell the building unless Bishop could come up with quite a hefty amount of, of money. And uh, that didn't happen. So Bishop began to look for new land. He found some. The land itself is $30,000. Uh, I'm not here to make a money pitch for that, but to give a praise report. As of last Friday night's board meeting, and even as of last Sunday morning in church, Church, uh, they had been able to raise 13000 so he still owed 17000 uh, yet. And we were on our way home from church, and I got a phone call from Ken, uh, and he shared some really good news that there was a church that committed to pay off the land. Uh, so in one... In one morning, a church committed to pay off Bishop's land and also to give him the money to rent a tent so that they can start meeting there as soon as the settlement uh, is final while they're building a church. Uh, so I just wanted to share that praise report to you. Bishop is still going several times a year up to Turkana, one of the poorest, most drought-stricken areas of Kenya, very dry, very barren. Um, they've got nothing. It's full of refugee camps. And when when he started going there several years ago, they went with clothing and they went with forage for the children and just ministered to the physical needs of the people. Today, there are at least seven churches that have been planted in those refugee camps because of what Bishop and his churches have done. So... Amen. They just opened their, I believe it's their seventh. Uh, and so we are just praising God for, for that. So he ministered to them physically, 
and it opened the door for them to really uh, have their hearts open, open to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and, and the Spirit of God is moving in a mighty way. We did share uh, videos from Christmas. This, this uh, picture actually is the memorial for, at the Pastor Ben uh, Memorial Prayer Garden on the grounds of the present complex at Patty's Heart. Uh, when, when Ken and I were over in May of 2017 and worked with Mom Jane to procure the land where that where they was built, we were walking the land and I said, I really believe we need to have a prayer garden. Mom wanted to name it after Pastor Ben, who had just passed away that, that February, and and so uh, just the other month, she was able to get this memorial to Pastor Ben on the grounds of the prayer garden. We had orange, avocado, and lemon trees, uh, or mango trees, I'm sorry, donated free of charge. They're planted. It will provide shade for the benches that are at the prayer garden, but it will also in several years provide much needed fruit to, to the children at Patty's Heart. We have 59 children right now. Uh, everybody, praise God, is sponsored, and so we're giving God the glory for that. Not quite sure. This is a picture of mom, the banquet. Uh, that is the pastor's wife from Lancaster, Lancaster County, uh, just fellowshipping. So that was, I think, pre-banquet. Here's some, just some scenes uh, from the banquet. We had uh, 121 people there, and just that night alone, we were able to raise $12,000 uh, to help with expenditures uh, because just as in the United States, costs are, are going up uh, by leaps and bounds in, in Kenya. So we were able to raise money to help the kids with their college tuition uh, because our sponsorship doesn't quite cover all of that. We raised money to, uh, to help with the food fund, and uh, the last phase of the construction is to build a small home for Mom Jane on the premises so that she can be uh, near, the, near the children, but yet not right in the dormitory. So we were able to raise uh, almost as much money as we needed to, to fund the balance on that. Okay, all right. Um, the other reason why I'm here this morning, remember, those of you who remember two years ago, I stood in this pulpit and I issued a challenge to you. And I said I was going to be the first fruits. I was expecting a hundredfold return on the offering that I was given because Pastor Randy and Pastor April were intending to go to Kenya with me in August of 2021. Didn't work out for Pastor April to go. Pastor Randy, as you all know, uh, was able to go that summer. We were going to go this past October. That trip had to be postponed. Uh, we are definitely going in September. The uh, airplane tickets have been procured. There are actually four people going, Pastor Randy, Pastor April, Kim Tucker is going to go with us this year and uh, work with the children, Dory Jenkins is going to work with children, Pastor April is going to work in the eye clinics because we're doing eye clinics in two different cities, and Pastor Randy will be helping me with the pastor's conferences again in those two cities. So once again, I'm going to ask you to open up your hearts and your purses starting next week, okay, not today, but starting next week if... Uh, if the Lord has so spoken to you and you want to help out uh, with these trips, you can do a check. I know they have online giving specifying the Kenya trip because what is, is collected uh, will be hopefully able to help all four of, uh, of those from Cross Community who are going. So I just want to thank you. And again, I'm going to raise this up.
I want to be the first fruits, and I am believing, because this is even a bigger check than it was the other year. You, you met the goal the other year. You gave a hundredfold on what I had given. I'm believing that this year, your generous hearts, because I know that this is a house of generosity, um, are going to just respond and, uh, and provide the needs for us for who are going. Amen? Amen. Amen. It is my honor to introduce my sister, and I mean that in so many aspects of the way, except uh, physically. We have known each other since 2011. We have worked closely together. She was here three years ago. We had to send her home the day after or shortly after she was here because that's when COVID hit, Um, and she was here last year and was a blessing. So I'm going to ask Mom Jane, Pastor Jane M.Y., uh, to come up. She has got a timely word for you. She shared it at the Breakfast Club this, this morning, and it was very, very powerful. So she is the executive director of Patty's Heart Children Home. She is also the lead pastor at Abundant Faith Church, which is a Disciples Temple Church under Bishop Rubin. Bishop is also uh, her bishop, and uh, she also owns her own business. She runs her own business. So she doesn't let any grass grow under her, under her feet uh, at all. She's a busy woman. She's an anointed woman of God. And I just want you to open up your hearts and, uh, and listen to what the Spirit of God has to say through her this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's give her a warm welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I once again thank God here today. This is my third time in this place. I was here in 2020. I was here last year. And God has given me another chance to be here. And I give him all the glory. Amen. I bring greetings from Kenya, from my family. They saw me to the airport, from the church, from the children's home. As we were preparing this morning to come to church, our church at home has already, had already finished their services. We are going home and they send their greetings. Uh, I want to thank God for all of you and what you are doing for us at Patty's Heart. We do not take it for granted. We know that far we have gone because of you holding our hands like Alan and who did to Moses. And this far we have come, we thank God. So this morning, I want to share shortly about checking and remnant. I talked to the people this morning and I said last year was not a very good year for me. I had a lot of challenges that I went through last year. And as I was going through those challenges, I have learned to trust God. And I have learned to hold on God even when things are not working. And God gave me some insights that I want to share with us today. And I believe that if you are here and you are going through a trying time or a hard time, this message will help you to move forward. This message will help you to engage. This message will help you to make another step instead of going back. I want us to begin our sermon from Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. And the Bible says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more, it is a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I shall make all the I shall shake all the nations and they and they shall come to their the desires of all nations. So when I was reading this word, something came to me about this word. It's talking about shaking. 
And I believe shaking is hard times. Shaking is not something pleasant. Shaking is not something good. And you see, God is talking about shaking everything. And reading this scripture, it brings out that this was not the first shaking. There was another shaking. Before this, there was another shaking. So the word is referring to yet a little while shake the nation. Another time I would shake the nations. So it was not the first shaking. And when I was meditating about this, this word, I realized I don't know about Christianity in this land, but I know Christianity in my nation. In those times when there was a lot of evangelism, the word that was used for us to come to Christ was, come, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we were going to Christianity, knowing that all the burdens we have, they are going to be taken away. All the pains we have been going through, all the poverty, all these things were going. So when these things happen in our lives, you realize it's like you are shortchanged. It's like now this Christianity, we were told something different, but something is happening. Something is not right. Something is not going the way it is supposed to be. But shaking in our lives, is our, that's our life as Christians. Shakings will always be there. Even if you are shaken yesterday and you overcame that shaking, be sure tomorrow another shaking will come. And those shakings, they have a purpose in our lives. Praise God. We will always, shakings will be there. They were there and they will be there. So if last year was hard for me, it doesn't mean that it will not be hard this year or next year. These things will come. Shakings will always come in our lives. You will be shaken in one way or the other. When you read this scripture, it is talking about shaking and the, di the desires of the nation coming. Uh, you know, there are some things we would never know about you until you are shaken. We will never know whether you are a committed Christians, a committed Christian, unless you are shaken. We will never know who you are unless you pass through. You know, my late husband used to say, he worked with Colgate Palmolive before he retired to move to full-time ministry. And he used to love this, referring this. That you know, Colgate is just a tube. You just, when you take a Colgate, tube, it's just a tube. When it is closed, you can never know what is inside there, whether it's poison, what's water, whether it's Colgate itself. You have to open up and then you press. And you could tell us pressing that tube, it's not comfortable to the tube. And that is how it is. You will never know if I am your friend until you are shaken. You, Pastor, you will never know you are true members until this church is shaken. So shakings, they are not bad. Though sometimes we see like God is unfair, God is not doing it right, but shaking, they have a reason. You see, the Bible is telling us here that we, we, this shaking will bring the desires of the nation. In other words, what is inside you, as you sit here, what is inside you, as we look at you, what is inside you? What, what do you have inside you? I had a friend, a woman friend, sometimes back. 
She was a very serious woman, and she had an accident. And then she lost her memory. So because we were her friends, we were several of us, several women, we used to go to, to change, to take care of her in the hospital. We, we helped her husband to keep her in the hospital. So we used to change. And I realized that she was a very good Christian. She was a very prayerful person. But when she lost her memory, the hospital, we were unable to keep her. She was abusing us and releasing vulgar languages. So we were, I kind of wondered what, what went wrong, what happened. The shaking brought what was inside, which we never knew about her. So shaking, they have a purpose in their lives. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 26, the Bible repeats of the same, the shaking. And yet shake the heavens and earth. And those things that are shakeable will be shaken. You know, when we were growing, we grew in different atmosphere. We grew in different background. Some of us came with a lot of things that have been created of us. For, for example, like me, I am a product of rejection from a very young age. So I grew up in rejection. Those people who have interacted with me, probably they don't know why, but I am a very reserved person. I love keeping alone. I love keeping quiet, not because I love that, because that's what I was brought in. I suffered rejection for, for a long time. And I used to say, if I was rejected in my own home, can the world accept me? So I created my own cocoon. So the, and that cocoon is not healthy for me because I am, I am a servant of God. I am supposed to minister to people. So a shaking will come so that this thing that has been created of me can be removed and there is a remnant that will remain. So that remnant that remains, that is what we want to talk about. We don't want to talk about those things that have been created. You have created your own character because of what you have gone through. You have created your own self. You have created other things about yourself that are not supposed to be there. We are talking after the shaking come and it shakes the desires. It shakes the, the shakeables. That which remains, that is what we want to talk about is what we want to talk about. There is a remnant that remains. What is this remnant? We talked this morning with the, 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 a group of youth and we talked about this remnant. I didn't refer this topic as a remnant, but that the topic was about a remnant. This remnant that remains, it is the future. The remnant that remains, what remains of you after shaking, that shaking you are going through, what remains of you is the future. And because it is the future, then we should put our hope in the future, not the past. Yeah. We should put our hope in future, not the past. I want us to refer to Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I think I will read that. Second Chronicles is a scripture that many people love, especially those people who pray. It's a scripture that we love if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves. But I want us to begin a bit... Before that, if my people who are called by my name, which is verse 14, I want us to begin in verse 13. Verse 13. Let's begin from verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heavens and there is no rain, I will command the rockers to devour the land. 
or sent pestilence among my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from me their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. When you look at this scripture, you can go home and read the entire. It was about Solomon after he built the temple for God and he dedicated the temple for God. So when he was dedicating this temple, he prayed to God and God came down and answered him. And he said, yes, I have heard your prayer about this place. And indeed, I will make it a place for prayer when people will come here. He was not talking about that time. He was not talking about the past. But he was talking about the shakings that were to come after. He told Solomon, yes, I have heard. If these people will come here when I have shut heaven, when I have allowed locusts to eat their, their plants, when I have allowed calamity, when I have allowed shaking, when I have allowed these things to come in their lives, if these people will humble themselves, they will come in this house and humble themselves, I will hear from heaven and heal them. Yeah. He's talking about the future. He's not talking about the, the past, but he's talking about the future. So anything that remains in you after the shaking, it is not for you. It is for the future. We are the future the generation. In the, this time, the church is going through a lot. I don't know about here, but in Kenya, after the, 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 the COVID and the lockdown, there was a shaking that came in church. People believed that so we can stay without the church. And there is something that has happened to the church that was not there before. But we still have a remnant. We still have a people that have remained. And I know even in this country, in, in the U.S., I know they are, they are shaking, but I still know there are some people who have remained. I know in your life you have gone through shaking, but I know there is something God has remained in you. Maybe it is a little faith. Maybe it is a little love. Maybe it is a little commitment. That little commitment and faith that has remained, it is for the future. We are the future. Alemunant is the future. And God is going to use us for the future. We are the future of the church. We are the future of the nation. We are the future of the leadership. We are the future of everything. If you are a remnant, know for sure God has sustained you so that he can use you for the future. So as a remnant, one, we need to engage. And the, 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 the message will come down after how, how do we engage? You know, pastor has spoken about it here. When you are going through all these crises, you are going all through these hard things, you are going through all this pain, you are going through all this rejection. People have called you names. People have talked ill about you. People have said many things. How do I engage? You know, there is sometimes you feel you don't even want to show your face out. You know, somebody has called you names. Somebody has tarnished you. Somebody has smeared you. Even that grace to walk out and go and engage, it's not there. That's what I want us to see this morning. As a remnant, we need to engage. We need to go out and, and engage. We need, because we are the future, we need to engage. This morning I told the, 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 the youth in their meeting, give them the, an example of a certain lady. It's about engagement, engaging. When we are a remnant, when we are the remains that have remained, we need to engage because we are the future. I told them of a testimony. There was a certain girl, she had come from a very poor background, and she had grown in, in a very terrible background, moving in rejection wherever she went. And she was 
battered in her life. She was destroyed. She was uh, traumatized. And uh, she got saved and entered in a ministry that was involved in planting prayer altars in the nation. So this girl, when she, she went through a training as a missionary, but in her she knew she can never minister. She was so much battered that she never knew she had anything she can do in the kingdom of God. So she entered the training and she was trained as a missionary. And she began moving out with other missionaries as they were going out to preach. And when she went out, she engaged, even in her rejection and in all the terrible background, she engaged. She asked herself, what can I do in the kingdom? of God. What is there that I can do? I cannot preach. I cannot read praise and worship. I cannot do this and that. But what can I do? What am I able to do? What is in my ability? And she said, I will be going out with the missionaries, but I will be doing three things. One, I will carry their, their attempts as they go the missions, and I will be taking care of them when they are in the mission, taking, making sure their clothes are washed and all the things are taking care, taken care of, and then I will pray for them. And she did that for three years. She was praying. She was making sure that she's doing everything for all the missionaries that were going with her. And one time, these people used to go for missions, and every Sunday they would share churches the field where they have gone for mission. They would chair churches to go and teach. And that particular time, I think her time has come that now God was to begin using her and was beginning to let her know who she is in the kingdom of God. So that day, they missed one person to go to one church, but she was there. All the people were sent to other churches, but one church did not have a person to go and preach. There was this person who is not a preacher. So they called her and they told her, do you know what? We want to send you to go and preach to a certain church. And she said, I can't. You know I'm not a preacher. You know what I do. And they told her, you have worked with us for a very long time. You are going to go and preach to this church. And she was telling us the whole night she was struggling with God, asking God, how do I go? I've never been a preacher. I've never done anything in the kingdom. This is my specialization. I want to serve. I want to take care of the missionaries. I can't. And the Lord spoke to her at night and asked her, I am asking you a question. What do you pray for? Every time you go to, out for the missions, you go and pray for them. What do you pray for? And she began answering, that is simple. I pray for the men of God to be anointed. I also pray for the nation. I also pray for, and then the Lord told her, this is what you are going to go and preach tomorrow. And she began making notes. She began getting scriptures. And she was prepared. But by the next morning, she was taken to the far much better churches than the others. It was a bigger church. The pastor had a vehicle. She was mourning and saying, I wish they would have taken me to a village church that have five to ten people. This big church with a pastor with a vehicle. How will I preach to a pastor who has a vehicle while that pastor is sitting in this congregation? And it was very traumatizing. She was telling us she was not even, she didn't concentrate on anything that was happening before she was called to preach. And when she rose up to preach, the Holy Spirit took over and she had an interpreter. She was preaching in English and somebody else was interpreting for her. And she sent the message, why do we pray? She had a, a, a 
like at 10 point a gram of why do we pray? And she preached for one and a half hours. And she was saying, when I came out of preaching and I sat down and I looked at the water and I saw that I have gone for one and a half hours and I said, God, this was not me. Somebody else preached in me. <laughs> what am I trying to say? When you engage in the area, when you are shaking and you are a remnant and you remain and you continue engaging, the Lord will use you for the future. When the need will rise, you will be the person that God will find to use in, in the future. You don't have to sit down because you have been shaken. You don't have to, to rock yourself in a house because you have been shaken. You don't have to, to coil. Arise and engage. Begin to do something. Come and clean the church. Come and do something. If you are good in praying, just pray. If you are good in praise and worship, just sing in your house. Do something. Engage as a remnant because God has a future with you. Praise God. So when we are going through this shaking, sometimes find ourselves not being able to do anything. Because maybe of the intensity of what we are going through. One thing I have loved be with myself and with God. I have worked with God since I was a, a young girl. I've worked with God. And if there is somebody who has been a close friend to me is God, I normally say, even when I'm here, I'm telling God, God, my coming to America is you. My staying in Kenya is you. Everything that I do is you. It is because of you. And because of God being my close friend, there are some insights that have come to me that have helped me swim through the shakings. And those are the things I want to share. And number one, when you find yourself in shaking and you want to engage, but there is no will to engage, you know it in your mind. It in your mind. The beginning of you to engage, you must accept what has happened. Acceptance that it has happened and you don't have any power to change what has happened. Most of us, we stay in denial. Can Sandra do this to me? You know, she's my friend. I'm just referring. I don't mean she has done anything to me. But now being a friend, and maybe she has been involved in my shaking, then we begin. And little Sandra do this to me. That is denial. And as long as you are asking that question, you will never have the grace to go on. You won't have the grace to move on. The beginning of you engaging is accepting it has happened. And it is that way. There's nothing I can do about that. It has happened. There is nothing I can do about that. It has happened. Pastor Amwai is dead. And there is nothing I can do about that to bring him back. So if I have to move forward, I must accept that he's gone. Yeah. You know, sitting there crying every day. Is it true God? He's gone. I can't believe he's gone. He's already gone and he will never come back. We will go and meet him, not him coming back. So, I love the story of Job. In the book of Job, chapter 1, you can read from verse, verse 14 to 21, but verse 20 specifically says this, Job had lost everything. He lost everything. He lost his children. He lost, if he had a business, he lost the business. He lost his house. He lost the workers. He was reduced from somebody to nothing. And I look at Job, sometimes I shake with fear. And I ask myself, indeed I have had losses, but not to this magnitude. And I ask myself, if, can, if I can find myself in the, the feet of Job, can I really answer this word? Job was brought the, the report following one following another. 
Oh, your kids were having celebration and I am the one who is remaining. Come and tell you the story. The other one comes, your animals have been taken. I am the one remaining to tell you the story. And it was like that from every corner. And then Job sits down and says, Where I came, naked I will go. The Lord gives, the Lord has taken. Let his name be glorified. This is a normal person. You have lost your children. You've lost your animals. You've lost your business. You have lost you. No, it's, and I look at it and I say, naked I came, naked I will go. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken. May his name be glorified. That is the beginning. It's accepting that things have happened. How many of us here who holds on things that happened until we are crippled, even coming to chase a problem? How many of us? And the circumstance that you are in, you have no power to change it. You don't have any power over that circumstance. It has come. But you are there in a cocoon. I want to tell you today, accepting that it is that way and you have no power to change it. It is the beginning of your healing and the beginning of engaging. Amen. The beginning of your healing. Begin to accept. It is done. There is nothing I can do about it. You know, husband loved his kids. He loved them. And I have struggled with especially my second born daughter. She disclosed one time to Reverend Sandra. I didn't know what to do with her. But making her accept that her father is already gone, will never be again, has been hard. It has really given me. As for me, <laughs> I was accused of not mourning him. This woman, she didn't even mourn the, 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 the husband. The husband, he was gone. I have to now begin to imagine he was taking, he loved his kids. He was taking of everything. I never knew how much a pencil cost. He used to tell me, go and pick Elsa's uniform in a certain shop. I don't even know when it was made. I would only be told to go and pick. Now I'm beginning to understand the price of a pencil. I'm beginning to understand the price of a uniform. And somebody else is telling me something else. I had to organize myself and I accept it is done. I have to move on. Brethren, you, there are some things you have to accept in your life that they are already done. And there is nothing you can do about it. Begin to think of those things that are holding you back. Those things that happened 10 years ago. Those things that happened 5 years ago. Those things that happening yesterday. Begin to tell God to help you to accept that it is done and begin to move on. Number two, sometimes people will be used, people will be used in this shaking. And especially those people who you trusted and those who you loved. I tell people even in, my, in our church, even me as your pastor, I can be used. Hurt you, people will be used. So when you come here, you, look, you don't want to sit this side because that person is sitting this side. So you better go to the, to the extreme end there so that you don't meet that person there who did hurt you yesterday. And if you are doing the same ministry together, you'd rather step down that ministry because that person longed you. I want to tell you, my, my sister, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I know the message of forgiveness is hard for many of us, but we, do, we don't have an exception. Right. Forgive those who have wronged you. 
Can you look at your neighbor for me and tell him or her, forgive those who have wronged you, even in this church. Just look at your neighbor. Tell him, forgive, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. There are some demons that would never go until you release someone. And I love that. I used to be a, to be a very bitter person. I used to be a if you wronged me, it's over and it is over. If we were eating together, that is the last thing. If there was anything we were doing together, that was the last thing. But I have come a wrong journey to be taught of the Lord about forgiveness. I used to hate people talking about me. I, personally, it's my character. I mind my own business. I don't go pecking about, about how other people are living, what they are doing. And I used to hate people trying to dig out what I am doing and what I am. I used to hate that. But I have been crushed. I have been scratched. I have been scratched until today. Even if you talk ill about me, there is, a, <laughs> there is a saying in our nation, Kenya, read my plate number as I go on. You know, I move on and we will meet sometimes even in the church they can talk about me and I will know they talked about me and we will continue doing our own thing and then the time they will know I knew about it, they will, someone will ask me, Pastor, you knew about this eh? and you never said anything and I will ask somebody, what were I to say? You said it and what else were I to say? I have come a wrong way to reach that. And when I discovered the, the secret of forgiving those people who have wronged me, my life has found joy. Whenever something happened to me, I would go to my house and lock myself and tell God, I'm not leaving this house until you give me that grace. Forgive that person. And when I come out of that place, when I meet that person, I will greet them and go my way and continue doing my thing. Brethren, you must come to a position of learning how to forgive those people who have wronged you. And forgiveness will cripple you. And forgiveness will cause you bring sicknesses and diseases. And forgiveness will cause you not to do what you are supposed to do. There is enough grace to forgive those who wrong us. I'm talking out of experience. There is enough grace. You can forgive people. You know, the Bible talks about rest. God wants us to have rest. You cannot have rest when you have unforgiveness. You cannot reach that place when your heart is feeling peace. Peace that surpasses human understanding when you have unforgiveness. You must learn to forgive those people who have wronged you. You must learn. You must learn to forgive them. You must ask God for the grace to forgive those people who have wronged you. You must learn. It's not easy. <laughs> I'm talking knowing that it is not easy. But I can imagine. I I don't want to carry the burden of unforgiveness in my heart. You know, so many people who are suffering some of these diseases, uh, high blood pressure, sometimes uh, ulcers, sometimes uh, and other things, you'll find there is a lot of unforgiveness in our hearts. But brethren, they have wronged you. Forgive them. Forgive them. Just release them. They, they say in Kenya, do good and go your way. Do what you are supposed to do and go your way. Do it as unto the Lord. Number three, I think it's number three. Know for sure you are, you are, your life is in God's hands. Your past and your present and your future 
is in God's hands. As you are going through all these trials, as you are going through all this temptation, as you are going through all this shaking, know that your life is in God's hands. I want us to read the Psalms 138, verse 7, verse 7, and then 13 to 16. Psalms 138. Psalms 138. I think it's Psalms 139, not 138. Psalms 139, verse 37. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? And then verse as 13 to 16, for you formed me in for you formed my inward past parts, you covered me with in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul may know very well. My frame was not formed hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully brought into the lowest part of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet formed, and you, your book, and in your book they were all eaten. The day fashioned for me, when, I, when as yet there was none of them. You can go and read that book, the Psalms 39, all of it at home, but I want to refer to the few scriptures that I have read. And God was talking about, David was talking about him, him and God. And he was asking a question that we should all ask ourselves. Where can we go to hide from the presence of God? Even in times of trials, where can you go to hide from the presence of God? The Lord is there. He's seeing you. Whatever you are going through, it's not that he's asleep. It's not that his spirit is not there. He's there. And he has allowed those things to happen to you. He is there. He was referring to now that we are living. Where can I go to hide from the presence of the Lord? And then he refers back when he was being created. And he said, God, you knew when I was being formed in my mother's womb, when I was a substance, when there was no shape, when there was nothing that could be called a human being. Today we say unborn, an unborn child is not a human being. But the Bible tells us God was there in you. He saw you when you are just a substance. Imagine he was involved. And David is saying that you saw me when I was being formed. And my parts were written in your book. God has written your parts. Those that you will become. You will be. I don't know when somebody determines when a child, whether a child is a boy or a girl. I don't know at how many months. But even before you were determined what kind of a person you were, the spirit of God was there. The power of God was there. The eyes of the Lord were watching over you. And now David is saying when he's going through a trying time, where can I go to escape the presence of God? There is nowhere, we, wherever we are, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, the Lord God is there watching over you. He's there and he's watching over you. He knows your pains. He knows what you are going through. And I think I look at sometimes punish our, uh, our kids. Punish them. Punish them because you hate them. There was, I, I, I have a memory of one time I had smacked my son. I think he was 10 years. He left the house in the morning at 8. And he was coming home at, two, at 8 in the night. I didn't know where he had gone. And I was so annoyed. Because the whole day I was worried. Where did he go? And what was, doing, was he doing? And that day I smacked him properly. But I still have that memory up to today. And I, 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 I asked myself... Did I smack him because I hated him? 
No, it is because I wanted him to, to move in the right direction. And so it is, some of this shaking we have seen in the beginning, that they come to reveal what is inside us. Some of us, we don't know ourselves. We got saved, you believe that you left bitterness, but wait until somebody step on you. Maybe we don't have public. I see almost everybody drives at our places. We have public vehicles, and that's what we use most. Wait until somebody steps on you in their public vehicle. That is when you know whether that bitterness went away. So when you are being stepped, God is watching. But he also wants you to know that that bitterness, you say it's gone. It is not yet gone. It is still there. So that you can work about it. You can begin to work about it. So God knows you. Know for sure when you are going through what you are going through, there is somebody who is watching. God is watching over you. Your future, your life is in his hands. In, in his hands. Your past, your present, and even your future it is in God's hand. And because of that, encourage yourself in the Lord like David. Begin to pray like David. David is one person who sets an example to my life. One time, he, he, they, they went to fight, with, fight for, with the Philistines. And the Philistines kept him out. They said, this man might come and turn against us in the battle. When David was going back to his sick uh, rag, uh, uh, found out that it was burnt and everything was taken. And that was a terrible shaking. But the Bible says David reacted different from the other men. The Bible says he was grieved. He was pained. He was crushed. But he, could, he said, I will encourage myself in the Lord. And he prayed, God, do I follow them? And God told him, go, because you are going to recover. So when we forgive them, when we pray, God is going to show us the, the direction. He's going to tell you what to do next. Praise the Lord. You know, last year, last year was hard for me. And I remember for three months, I didn't know what to pray for. I, did, I completely didn't know what to pray for. It's a shaking that comes that didn't show any indication. It just happened. And I didn't know what to pray for. But I would sleep down on the floor and I would tell God, God, help me. That is the only prayer I made for two months. God help me. God help me. By, by the end of it, God gave me peace. And God gave me the direction on what to do in that circumstance. So I want to tell you, my, my brothers and sisters, checkings are going all over and what you are, not, you are going through is not the end. Another one will still come. But I want to, to encourage you, focus yourself on the Lord. Give, pray, and know that your future, your life is in God's hand and God is going to help us. May the Lord bless you. Amen. Thank the Lord for speaking through Pastor Jane this morning. Was that, was that a, just an on-point word for somebody in the room? I believe it was an on-point message for many of us in the room, man. I, I heard a quote this week, and I'll, I'll share this, and then we're going to conclude the service, but so Christians are like tea bags. You really don't know what they're made of until they're in hot water. And hopefully, when we're put in hot water, we get stronger, right? When we're put in hot water, hopefully we get stronger. So I'm going to ask you this morning just to respond in one of a couple of ways. 
First is I want to invite everyone to respond just giving a, just an honorarium love offering to Pastor Jane this morning. And the offering will obviously go for her, but also for Patty's heart. And um, so we're going to take that at the door as you leave. So, you know, if you want to write a check, you write, write a check to the church and we will actually issue a check from the church. Or if you want to give cash, you can certainly do that as well. Or if you want to give cash, you can put it in an envelope and indicate what amount you want to give. But we want to give a generous offering this morning as we leave. But perhaps you're here today and you're thinking, boy, I, I could really use some prayer, prayer of agreement. And I know that Pastor Jane would be willing to pray with you. Pastor Saunders up here, the two of them can pray with you. Um, to agree in prayer, whatever concerns you might have in your own life. Let's just do this. Can we stand together? If I could get a little underscore music or something, if you have something up there. We're going to pray, and we're just going to ask God to take the word that Pastor Jane delivered from the heart of God to us today, that we appropriate it, that we put it into action, that we apply it to our own lives, that we walk it out. So, Father... We thank you for this great word that you spoke through Pastor Jane. Lord, you sent her thousands of miles for her to deliver a ready word that many of us in this room needed to hear. Because some of us in this room have gone through some huge challenges. And perhaps there's those in the room who, like myself, you go, what's this all mean, Lord? But yet there's purpose in all of it. Help us to never lose track of that. That regardless of what we go through, regardless if we're right in the middle of it right now, help us to see the purpose in it. Help us to realize that when you shake what is there, what is left is the remnant. And you have a purpose for the remnant. Lord, I know that sometimes you sift and that's uncomfortable to us. But Lord, there is a higher purpose in that. And so, Lord, I ask that you help each and every one of us to take this message that was shared and help us to apply it to where we live, our own lives. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know you, and they, they can't make sense of what's going on in their life because they don't recognize the author of life, I pray, God, that for anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, that they would just look to you this morning and say yes to Jesus. I say yes to you, Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to accept your love and your forgiveness. I want to live for Jesus and have purpose and meaning and significance in my life. And Lord, for the rest of us who know you, but yet we sometimes have these challenges and these struggles that get us down. Father, may you be the lifter of our countenance, the lifter of our heads today. May you give us strength. May you give us focus. May you give us clarity. And Lord, what the enemy means for destruction, I pray, God, that you help us to see that you're going to use it for good and have used it for good and will continue to use it for good. Bind us together, Lord, as a body of believers to see what you have in store for us individually and collectively. We ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.